expected the arrival of a baby in Bethlehem to shake up their lives. But when that baby is Jesus, plans are rearranged, beliefs are challenged, and ordinary people find their lives upended and forever changed. The scriptures tell us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Just about everybody knows that. If that question were given us, we'd, oh yeah, Jesus, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But there's so much that happened before that miraculous birth. Let me highlight just a few of those details. If you've been with us over these last few weeks, well, you've heard some of these stories, hopefully fresh and new. But really, just about everybody in this room has heard what I'm going to share tonight. You just have. But I'm convinced that God will use this story in a new and a fresh way for each one of us. Let me say this, is that, first of all, an angel who came to a teenage girl and a teenage boy, giving them news that they were going to be parents to the Almighty God. Both of them were a little bit confused, not understanding the big picture, but they realized that this was an unbelievable special privilege. Then baby Jesus was born in a barn. (laughs) Well, the first shock was that God would come into two young people's lives. But the second shock is, born in a barn? Laid in a manger? The king of kings? Something's not making sense. But that's what happened. Then after Christ's birth, the story gets even more bizarre. They're shepherds. Now, we all have pictures of shepherds of, you know, guys with crooks and, you know, they have the robes and the nice beards and, and you know, they watch sheep. <laughs> How much fun is that, watching sheep? I, well, I don't think it's fun at all, but, but maybe, you know, we get this picture. But these guys, low rung on the social scale, God decides to give his message to them. So an angel shows up and says, hey, I just want you to know, don't be afraid. I'm going to bring you good news that will bring joy to everybody. That alone had to scare them. And then we go and proceed and hear the angel say, yes, I just want you to know, Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, the Master of all, he's born in Bethlehem tonight. This is good news. Because the only way you and I are going to be reconciled to God is because Jesus was born. He was born humbly, without a lot of means. He was born so that we might be reconciled. That is great news. It's great news for everybody. This brings joy because we're born separated from God. We're born, well, wallowing and trying to figure out life. But God says, no, no, something special is going to happen here. And it's all around Jesus' birth. 
Now, again, I'm so glad that you came tonight and, and so many different family members. And, and Christmas Eve and Christmas, these are, these are great times for family for the most part. But the most amazing news is how much God loves each one of us so that we might not only have abundant life now, but forever. Well, as soon as the shepherds, these, <laughs> um, well, guys that you probably wouldn't give a message like this to, as soon as they got this message, the sky lit up. The Bible says that the glory of God shone, and it must have been brilliant. And there was a chorus, and there was angels talking. At that moment, I'm not sure what all the shepherds were doing, but then there was silence, and then there was darkness. They, they had to start pinching themselves. <laughs> what just went on? I've never noticed anything like this before. What is happening? Well, if this is true, if this king, if Jesus, if the Messiah came, let's go into Bethlehem. Let's go find him. I mean, really, how many people are born well, in a stable and, and laid in a manger? We can find this guy. And they go and they find Jesus. And everything was just as the angel said. They couldn't believe it. We have the privilege of meeting the Messiah. You know how long we've been waiting for this guy? Well, the shepherds then begin to proclaim this unbelievable message to everybody. And the scripture tells everyone is astonished. We can't believe it. Like shepherds, first of all, angels, the whole sky lit up. You met the Messiah. This is way beyond me. Well, the events in our text today actually happen months after this time, maybe even years after the birth of Jesus. So before we get into it, let's pray. Father, we come before you, and we are asking you to teach us. I, I pray, Father, that the speaker doesn't get in your way. I pray, dear God, that the words that so many of us maybe even have memorized, that you would show us something new and fresh, that we would be in awe once again of your love for us, and that we would leave changed people. Thank you for your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Matthew 2, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 2. But in Matthew 2, we find Jesus still in Bethlehem. But he's not in a stable anymore. The scriptures tell us that he's in a house. He's in a house. Hmm. Now, what I want to share with you is, is I'm not really trying to make anybody mad. Okay, but almost every nativity scene that you see, you've got three wise men, at least, around the manger. Uh, the truth is, the wise men never came to that manger part, okay? 
They came a lot later, months later, or maybe even years. Again, for some reason, they stayed in Bethlehem and didn't go back to Nazareth. And they were living in a house. That's what we know. So let's read this story. If you don't have your Bibles open, you can follow along on the screen. But it's in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses there. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. The text does fill in some blanks for us. It, it answers some questions. But in many ways, it raises more questions. So I'd like to focus on, for sure, what we do know. We do know that there were Eastern wise men, or some of your Bibles will say magi, or, or perhaps even astrologers. They wanted to worship the newborn king of the Jews. They believed that if they followed this star, it would lead them to this newborn king. But the question is this, who were they? I mean, this is all the scripture we have. We don't know if they're high-ranking officers. We don't know a whole lot about them. We don't even know how many came. Everyone thinks it's three. It could be two, and it could be up to 20. We're not even sure what country they came from or how long the trip was or how they actually found out about this star and the Messiah. Now, let me assure you, although so many of us would say, hey, we need more scoop. We'd really like to know more of the story. How about it? God gave us everything we need to know, and we can trust that. But there are scholars that they can take an intelligent stab at it. And I'm not sure, again, we'll get answers to all these questions, but it's really safe to focus on what the Bible has to say. So we do know this, that from the scriptures, the Messiah's birth has been associated with a star. There's been prophecies about this. So in spite of lack of clarity, the Magi were probably scholars focusing or specializing in astronomy and 
astrology. We know they came from the east. Some people think it was Egypt, but most scholars will think it was Babylon, where there still was a large and influential group of Jews that lived there hundreds of years after they were exiled there. It's also remotely possible that these magi were influenced by Daniel and his understanding of God and the Scripture. Now, let me just remind you, the prophet Daniel lived about 550 years before Jesus was born. These wise men saw an unusual star. And because of their faith or because of their studies, they followed it. And, and they traveled hundreds, if not thousands of miles to search for the King, the Messiah. It's so interesting how God directs both men and stars. He will do everything possible to help us understand His Son so His Son can be worshipped. We do know this, is that everybody in Jerusalem was disturbed. You heard the Scriptures. These Wise men, however many they were, how many were in their entourage, come trucking into Jerusalem, which is about six miles or so from Bethlehem. And they start asking the question, hey, we've been following the star. We know this is the prophecy. We came to worship the king, the Messiah. Hey, where was he born? Everyone's looking around like, where's he born? Like, the Messiah came? How come you didn't tell me? Well, Herod, Herod was an evil pucket, pucket, <laughs> puppet. All right. Herod was an evil puppet king. He, he really was. And when he heard the king of the Jews has been born, or he heard the Messiah has come, oh boy, this news did not sit well with Herod. Remember, He didn't like anybody messing with his power. His atrocities included killing three sons. Well, they were a threat to his throne. He didn't like his wife. He killed her. Didn't like his wife's mother-in-law. Now, I'm not going to go there. But he didn't like her either and killed her. All these people were threats. Threats to the kingdom. He's just wiping them out. So he called together scholars and to find out, hey, where is that? You know, you guys didn't tell me about this. Where's the Messiah being born? And the scholars came back and says, well, hey, the prophets have told us the the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. So all of a sudden he goes back to these wise men and says, hey, hey guys, (laughs) why don't you go find him? Go find the Messiah. All right? When you find him, come on back and tell me. Let's have a party. Let's all worship. This will be a grand time. Okay. I guess they didn't question too much, but they left. The scriptures tell us that this star guides them to Bethlehem. And it stops above a house. Now, you've all seen stars, and even if they're really, really bright stars, and and even if they're straight above you, you go like, well, how do I figure this out? 
God supernaturally, once again, allowed this light to just land over the right house. How cool is that? And the star gave the magi great joy. The scriptures tell us that these eastern travelers, well, we don't know if they knocked on the door. They just barged in. I don't know what happened. But I bet this was quite the commotion. You've got even just three guys or four guys. I mean, this is a small town. All of a sudden, they come to the door. They explain why we're there. They come in, and the scripture says this. They fell down before Jesus, and they worshiped Jesus. I got to believe it wasn't anything like the wise men had anticipated. They were coming to worship a king, right? A house? A one-bedroom ranch? I don't really know what it was, but, but realistically... It wasn't a castle. It wasn't a throne room. It was something rather normal. But they come in. They see Jesus. They fall on their face. And they worship. You see, you only bow down when you're in the presence of someone superior than you. And they knew that this was the king. Then they did something so unusual. They opened up their treasure chests and they actually gave gifts to Jesus, to this young couple. It's customary and and particularly in the ancient East that when anybody would come before a king or someone who has high status, they would bring gifts. But if people looked around and saw Jesus, didn't look like he was that much of a king. But these gifts were an expression of worship. They were given because there was an overflow of love for this Messiah, even though it didn't look like maybe they anticipated. This was kind of an exciting time. And I got to say that although the scriptures doesn't say, hey, this is why gold was given or this is why frankincense was given, um, we do know in the first century that all of these gifts were significant. All these gifts were valuable. And actually all these gifts carried with it a meaning. During that time, gold emphasized royalty. Throughout all the scripture, gold is associated with royalty, which is kings and queens and princesses. So they gave Jesus gold. And then the scriptures say that they gave him frankincense. Frankincense was costly smelling incense that was only used for certain occasions. In the Old Testament, this incense was burned during the worship and service of the Almighty God. It emphasized deity. And then lastly, there was myrrh. Myrrh emphasized humanity and suffering. And and let me share with you why. Myrrh was a perfume or a spice. It wasn't as expensive as frankincense. Nevertheless, though, it was quite valuable. 
Myrrh was the spice or the perfume that you would put on a dead body. Someone would die. They would wrap them up in, in cloth. And then one of the things they did to try to smell the decay or, or, or disguise the decay, I guess the decay smelled, so they were disguising it. They would put myrrh on there. And it was used. So it was associated with this preparing of a dead body. Now, actually, it's not hard to see the symbolism here. This baby, Jesus, was the king of kings. He was the son of God who came to suffer and to die. We've got a skit we'd like you to watch, to just listen to maybe one of the shepherds wrestling with all this information. Let's watch. Let him know when we find the baby. He too would like to worship this new king but then instructions came from a different order instructions that only come from dreams dreams of biblical proportions and this is what the dream said don't return to the king so simple so straightforward And that is the dilemma that I'm wrestling with. Do I listen to earthly authority? Or maybe do I listen to the godly type? And the the traveler in me, the wise man as it were, would it say, go see King Herod and give him what he wants. But my heart... But my heart tells a different story. My heart says... maybe this child deserves every ounce of obedience that I could give even if I don't quite understand the roadmap yet if following a star seemed difficult following this new king may be the greatest challenge yet. (laughs) Yes, my friend. I think you and I, (laughs) we are going to take the long way home. You know, you were just reminded of a most familiar story. But it's got some really important lessons for us. First of all, these wise men knew God. There wasn't any doubt because they understood a prophecy. They went on a long journey. They sought out the Messiah. They had spent time with God and they listened to God rather than, in this case, a man or even a ruler. See, oftentimes we struggle. We struggle when God's word talks to us. 
we struggle in believing if really listening to God is all it's cracked up to be. But these rulers, these wise men, saw that it was critical for them to listen. And not even listen to Herod, but just listen to God in every way. Let's do the journey and let's go home a different way. You see, God's principles always supersede government or authorities that go against his principles. Second thing I I saw is that God's ways are not always clear or easy. I I didn't. I, I mean, even the whole idea, let's go on this long trip and let's just watch a star. Let's just follow the star. Could you give us a little bit more, God? Could you do that? It took a while. It was inconvenient. But because of their study and because of their faith, they followed. One of the most exciting parts in this story, I think, is that worship happened when they actually met Jesus. It wasn't in any way that they anticipated, but but when they finally met Jesus. I got to believe that they heard the stories about the shepherds and the good news and that they bowed down and gave gifts that were way out of the ordinary for a normal family like this. And lastly, and and this is so amazing to me because God is just superintending all this. He provides for this young family. He provided a house for them. Remember, they were pretty poor. He provided a warning for them in just a few verses right after we stop in verse 13. God tells them, you've got to leave. Go to Egypt. Herod is going to go berserk and start massively killing young babies, really. And so they listen. And actually, If you look at this, these gifts, these valuable gifts, I believe were given to this family to provide for them financially in the years to come. How cool is that? God arranged all of this. You see, the message of the Christmas story that was told by the angels and received by those in this whole arena was that the good news was for all people. And it would bring joy. And you got to ask yourself, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want joy? Well, what is the good news? The good news is that Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord, the Master of all, has been born. And He was born so that each one of us might be reconciled to God. This birth was amazing because without Jesus, we would never be connected with God. As Jesus grew up and he obediently near the end of his life stretched out his arms and the blood dripped and the life was sucked out of his body, he said it was finished. Well, what is finished? I came to reconcile. I came to reconnect people with their father. 
That's why I came. I came in a humble fashion. And all the way through my life, you saw God take care of me. And I provided encouragement along the way. But now, now the only way that each one of us here on planet Earth will get reconnected with God is by putting our faith in the Savior. How exciting is that? This is good news. And although there's a lot of other fun things about Christmas, there are. The greatest part about Christmas is God loved us so much. He sent Jesus to be born so the king would eventually die and reconcile us to God. Would you stand with me at this moment? I'd like you to get your candles and I'm going to pray in just a moment. And once I'm done praying, we're going to have folks just come down the aisles and light your candles. And if you would then continually just kind of light the candles down your row. And, and if you have, and you, if some of you special people have battery-operated candles. The, we only give battery-operated to special people, okay? You can turn your battery-operated candles on, even though I think they've been on all night. They, they have been on all night, so I, I, that's a good thing, okay? But what we're going to do, we're going to close our time singing Silent Night. And the lights will go down and the candles will be lit. And hopefully it will be a time as we prepare and remember how much God loves us. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. You're an amazing God. Why would you do all this for us? Lord, we know that it's hard sometimes to listen to you. And I know that our plans sometimes get disrupted because your plans are not always our plans. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you for this story of love. Thank you for the story of obedience. Thank you for this story of faith. Oh God, we love you. And we worship you. In Jesus' name.